Hello and welcome to the Locked On Canucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Justin Morissette, and this is your Locked On Canucks for Monday, November 11th. And if you haven't heard yesterday's episode, if you did not listen to part one of my lengthy conversation with Canucks Army Managing Editor Jackson McDonald, I urge you to turn back now. Uh, there's not a ton of Canucks chatter in this one. Uh, some broader topics discussed here. Well, there's plenty of Canucks chatter, I guess, just in a, a different way than you might be looking for. What you do want to hear is part one of this conversation to hear how we got to part two. That came out yesterday. It's currently on your feed, on your phone as you listen to this. So just hit up part one of a long talk with Jackson McDonald and uh, then enjoy this part two. Let's get right back into it. Uh, where we last left off, Jackson and I were talking about uh, kind of the the mix-and-match uh, wingers that Bo Horvat has been playing with of late, the guys who keep getting switched around between the Sutter line and the Horvat line, and that's where we'll pick it up again. Where do you stand on one of the three guys in that hodgepodge in Jake Vertanen? Because he's up to five goals on the season already. Uh, I really like what I've seen from him. I know the underlying numbers are saying that uh, his <laughs> shots are suppressed on every line he gets put on, but when I watch the games and when I see what he's doing on a night-to-night basis, like he's passing the eye test better than he ever has before. Am I just like at a point where I have Stockholm Syndrome with this guy and want him to be something so bad that I'm willing to overlook all of the flaws in his game? Or is there actually something to like in Jake Vertanen this season? Uh, it's the former. I think the Canucks should be thinking about trying to move on from Jake Vertanen before the, while, while the rest of the league is still seeing what you're seeing. Um, the underlying data just gets worse and worse every year. Um, Two, his two-way play is, is a nightmare. Um, he was really good defensively in his first season, but it's just totally fallen off a cliff since then. Um, he is a lot like Brandon Sutter in the sense that he himself can put up decent numbers, score some goals because he has a good shot. He's a big body, and you know when he actually decides to drive to the net, he can produce offense that way. But he's another guy who he limits the players on his line and their ability to, to produce offense. So even though you look at him and how he's playing um, as a, it's almost like one of those situations where he's too noticeable. The fact that you always notice him when he's on the ice is almost sort of proof that he's too much of an individualistic player. And I don't mean that in the, in the sense that some people apply that to like sort of, it's often applied to sort of high-flying, especially Russian offensive players. I just mean that he is a guy who constantly is wants to be the star. I don't know if he wants to be the star on, on his line, but plays like he wants to be the star on his line. And it it limits the ability of better players on his line to produce offense and also to have a two-way impact as well. Well, speaking of uh, producing offense, uh, you produced a good amount of <laughs> offense this week. 
by going back uh, into the archives and looking at a bunch of old uh, Adam Gaudet tweets, which people got very upset about as some sort of political hit job. I mentioned on the show a couple days ago that, you know, I know why you did this and it has nothing to do with, you know, him having contemptible politics or whatever. There's plenty of people who entertain me. I like professional wrestling. Do you think I, like... (laughs) I'm going to draw a line at at just hating everyone whose politics differ from mine. I, I would assume that on some level you uh, are on that that same boat as well, because the reason why you had to screen grab him all is that any time one of his tweets resurfaces in any way, he instantly deletes it. Uh, and and they're not like a lot of the funny ones have nothing to do with politics. He's Absolutely. he's just like a weird horny teen who's posting <laughs> things like Beyonce, please sit on my face. Like that's funny. That's this funny, was yeah. this was all in the name of humor. Yeah, well, and the, you mentioned go, people going back through his tweets. I'm not the first person to go back through his tweets. I'm just the first person to go back through his tweets find the MAGA stuff and go, oh, this is noteworthy or funny or interesting. The fact that even Adam Gaudet has gone through his old tweets and deleted stuff for fear of it coming back up again and theoretically waltz past all the MAGA stuff half a dozen times by now and was just like, no, this is fine. I'm not going to get in any trouble for this. This isn't going to be a problem. Um, yeah, it's silly to me that for some reason um none of this was ever an issue nobody ever had an issue with anyone uh going back and looking at some of the stuff that he said until uh it was you know him retweeting cloyd rivers being mad about the fault in our stars um it's very hard to not think that the people who are mad about this are just mad that their own uh politics are being you know having a spotlight shone on them or that they're just mad that these two things are getting mashed together that their their sport doesn't get to be their little um home away from home where they don't have to think about bigger problems in the world uh and that i'm you know bringing i'm bringing i I spilled all the politics into their sports and they're mad about it um but you know as i'm sure you and your listeners know based on things that have also happened this week, this is, happens anyways. It's always going to happen. Um, the world does not stop at the entrance to Rogers arena. Um, this stuff is happening all around us and it's just, as it gets more and more insane, it's going to seep into our little cultural, uh, artifacts that we love so much. And, we just have to find a way to deal with it. And that doesn't mean you have to make jokes like I did. It doesn't mean you have to get mad at everything all the time like some people do. But you do have to find a way to deal with it, find a way to you know, manage the cognitive dissonance of really enjoying something, but also kind of maybe feeling weird about the people who make it for a number of different reasons or the people who participate in it. Yeah, because you've said this multiple times, but Adam Gaudet is not your friend. He's not yeah, my friend. Exactly. He is not the friend of the listeners. He is a product that has been sold to us by the Vancouver Canucks, who do not want you to think that he has a personality or any sort of, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> sentient thought of his own. They want you to think that he is a hockey player and a hockey player only. And why do they want you to think that? Because they know as well as we do that if you do any digging, you might not actually like this guy. 
Um, but just, you know, the idea that you were uh, attacking a child when, like, you're roughly the same age as Adam Goddard. Yeah, I'm in the same, I'm in the same age demographic. If we were doing a census, uh, the the government would treat us as the same age. And like th- um, this yeah. all started as well with, you know, tweets that were dug up by our friend Mallory, who we also referenced last time yeah. you were on the show. Uh, Mallory was the first one to, you know, send some of the more uh, hilarious Goddet tweets, the Beyonce one, for example, yes. uh, the one that uh, said that uh, Sidney Crosby is the biggest pussy in the league or whatever. Like these yeah. were all <laughs> dug up by Mallory, who's... I believe even younger than Adam Gaudet. Like, yes, yes. No, I think she is. You're right. What yeah. is the age threshold for being able to be criticized for things you've said in a public forum? And not even criticized, just made fun of. Yeah, li- not, lightly it, mocked. You know, you, you just—it makes you realize that some of these people just never had to deal with criticism or or ridicule. Like being roasted by people is just a huge part of my life. It's and I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's great. Um, so I, I just it makes me wonder how sensitive some people must be to get so hurt and just morally outraged by the idea that you would be like, "Hey, check out this thing this hockey player said when they were a teenager." Isn't that uh, silly? And it's not canceling Adam Gaudet. Like you know, he didn't say anything near as bad as Don Cherry said last night. No, and Don Cherry not. isn't even being canceled. Like. Sportsnet apologized on his behalf and said they gave him a stern talking to. Are they going to pull him off the air? Absolutely not. And was it even a surprise that he would say that? Not even close. He does that all the time. Like, it was a surprise that so many people were able to understand what he said. That was the only <laughs> surprise. Like I, I, I went back and, li- and watched the clip, and I, I understand what he's getting at, and I understand why people got mad, because the thing is, is that Whenever Don Cherry does anything, people are not getting mad at the thing Don Cherry just did. They're getting mad at Don Cherry for the last 20, 30, 40 things. The institution of Don Cherry. Yeah, exactly. The fact that Um, we're subjected to this guy every week, no matter what he says. But it was sort of like looking at a magic eye poster. It was like, okay, yes, if I I (laughs) unfocus my eyes and squint just enough, I can uh, see the off- offensive thing that he said and get uh, upset about it, but yeah, um, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like uh, the idea that that Godet would would get in trouble for uh, for supporting the sitting president uh, when Don Cherry uh, doesn't even get in trouble for talking about how bad immigrants are or whatever. It's it's ridiculous. What do you think are the chances that uh, Don Cherry ever acknowledges this at all? Never, um, not zero yeah, percent. It's more likely that he's just going to go on TV next week and just yell about how people got mad at him for it. Um, and, you know, Ron McClain doesn't escape criticism from this either. You know, just standing there grinning like an idiot and then giving a thumbs up after. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah, you like usually Ron looks mortified when Don goes off the deep end, and last night it was like nodding the entire time and giving the thumbs up because ultimately the bottom line of what he's saying is like supporting the troops, I guess. So, like yeah. how how can Ron uh, take issue with any of just the? I wouldn't even say latent; it was blatant racism oh, yeah. and bigotry. It was yeah, it was awful. Like and and this is uh, my issue honestly has always been more with Ron McClain than Don Cherry because as much as Don Cherry is 
obviously problematic in a number of senses. Um, he is really old, and I don't know how accountable you can even hold him for the things he says anymore. Like, the fact that he's an institution in Canada is so insane for so many reasons. First of all, Canada is this country that prides itself on not being, like, America, and uh, not being, you know, racist and uh, nativist and xenophobic, which is all, obviously, things that Don Cherry embodies in, in great amounts. But we also pride ourselves on being polite and our, like, national pastime is laughing at this old, senile man whose brain is dying and how insane he is. Like, the whole thing, it's sort of, as much as Don Cherry is not the person that we should feel sorry for in this scenario, it is kind of messed up for him, too, that at this point, the only real appeal of watching Coach's Corner is to laugh at the old man who doesn't know what he's doing anymore. Like, it's the whole... The whole institution, the whole tradition is, is very gross on a number of different levels. And uh, Ron McLean just sort of serves to legitimize it. So I, uh, I I don't really have any time for him either, personally. Well, it's it's extra absurd that he's held up as this example of this great Canadian who embodies Canadian values when there's, like, no one who hates Canada more than Don Cherry at this point. And, and it's Absolutely the, not. It's the same with hockey. He hates hockey and what <laughs> hockey has become as well. Like, he, like he's so opposed to uh, progress of any kind that he looks at how things have changed over the course of his lifetime and looks at everything that is happening today, whether it's hockey, whether it's politics, whether it's the, you know, uh, ethnic makeup of the country of Canada. And he hates all of it. And this is, like, this great figure of Canadian culture who is just this upstanding example of how everyone should live. And it's, ugh, everything's so stupid all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot think of, of anybody who hates Canada and what it, what, what hates the people who make up Canada, the real demographic of Canada, more than Don Cherry, or hates what Canada stands for now in the modern context more than Don Jerry. Um, it's, I, I'm not here to, to come out and, and call for people to be fired or for people to get in trouble, but it's just, we need to examine this institution and just question what purpose it serves in uh, the modern context. Like I, I, I really do not um, understand why this is still happening in the way that it happens. It's very strange to me. And, and, and just the way that people are constantly making excuses for this guy that like nobody likes anymore. Nobody likes Don Cherry anymore. Nobody watches coach's corner for the stunningly brilliant analysis that, that Don and Ron bring to the game. Um, And yet, you know, in every interview that where people are asked about Don Cherry, it's always what a nice guy he is and what he, a, he loves his, he is to the game. He loves and, his yeah. boiled salmon and mayo sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. And the great irony, as you alluded to a little bit earlier, is that everyone who's uh, adding Canucks Army this week and calling for your head and for you to be <laughs> fired would have an absolute conniption fit. If anything happened to Don Cherry's job security, if he were to be off the TV, just what a grave injustice that would be. Well, yeah, it's just, it's always, you know, um, 
as much as these people often like to prop themselves up as the uh, defenders of freedom of speech, it is always just freedom of speech ends where my feelings begin. And uh, as much as they could, you know, complain about other people being uh, overly sensitive or triggered, they are the weepiest, most sensitive, overly sensitive people I've ever had to interact with in my entire life. (laughs) So, uh, you know, grow up. Like you can't, you you can't yell at immigrants on on TV and not at least get chewed out for it. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Chewed out. Did you say Jackson chew? Did I hear the word chew there? That reminds me guys, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always raring to go. Oh, the teenage years, they were so great. Weren't they? Well, now you can get that back. You can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. I'm going to tell you how. It's BlueChew.com. That is blue, like the color blue, B-L-U-E. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it's legit. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they will work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can get ready whenever an opportunity arises. I am not just a spokesman. I am also a satisfied customer. In fact, I'm the... No, I'm not the owner. I'm... (laughs) Can you imagine? Ah, no. This is not just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. You know, most guys talk about a good game, but if you're a one-and-done blue chew can help you follow through for round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. You never have to talk to anyone. That's the joy of podcasts, isn't it? We've cut out the talking to people part, and you just get to carry on about your day. Listen to me, Tali, about uh, Blue Chew, for example. You don't have to talk to a doctor about it. He doesn't have to raise his eyebrows, and you don't have to come up with some elaborate story as to why you need this. You can just have it. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy as well. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 for shipping. That's it. Again, that's B-L-U-E Chew.com. Promo code MLB, like the league that just wrapped up a couple weeks back to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right. uh, We've gone way long uh, and and deviated a little bit off topic here, but I do want to squeeze in one last thing, which is the whole reason I brought you on, which is to yell at me about the JT Miller trade. I want to make one spirited defense of the process of making this trade because, look, I wasn't even hugely in favor of it uh, at the time. I was just okay with it, and I liked the player, which... Puts me uh, at the opposition to the people who were just like shrieking histrionics uh, about how bad the deal was. All I will say, and you can maybe relate to this as someone who's done freelance work yourself, uh, Jackson, is that, you know, I, I am a freelancer. I am a contractor. I have to make bids to get jobs that I want. You know, if, if somebody is uh, looking to acquire my services, I have to send them a number uh, that I believe is what I am worth and they can accept it or pass on it, which is not a process all too dissimilar 
from making trades in the NHL, if you will follow my uh, <laughs> comparable here, sure. my metaphor, if you will. Because I've had multiple times recently where I go and I know what I'm worth and I ask for that amount and then I don't get the job. And when that happens enough times, again and again and again, I lower what I'm willing to value myself as because I want to get the job that I want. And I've lost out on it enough times that I have to bring myself down and and give up more and accept less. And ultimately, I think that's exactly what happened with Jim Benning. He did, he's tried to get a guy like this many, many times, and he's never gotten it before. Ultimately, he finally went out and was like, what's a bid that they're not going to say no to? And you can say that that's bad process, but I understand it on a fundamental level, and ultimately he got what he wanted, and it has worked. And I will also say, I don't know how many Canucks first-round picks over the last 20 years even amount to as good of a player as JT Miller is right now. So there. So I, I, I have a couple of things to, to say to that. Uh, no, we're out of time. That, <laughs> the first is that um, I don't actually totally disagree with you with the price element of it. People often will say that, well, the Canucks paid sticker price for a guy that they could have got for cheaper. That might be true, but it's very speculative, so it's not something that I like to um, focus in on too much because it feels like it's sort of a fallback where – it's like people don't want to defend the trade on its own terms and its own merits. So they speculate as to, well, okay, fine. The trade was good, but uh, they could have paid less, um, which is again, maybe true, but not really something that you can prove uh, where my issues lie with it are the timing of the trade. Um, I've spoken to some people who uh, either, but both people who used to work for NHL teams and even people who currently work for NHL teams who all agreed that it was a very bad look to allow Jim Benning to make that trade before he had his contract extension. No, I I do agree with that as well. Yeah. So that, that element is bad. Um, because, you win. know, when he did get that extension, there were so many people who were saying, well, you got to give it to him so he's not making moves to desperately save his job. Yeah. It's like, where have you been where, for the last yeah, six <laughs> months? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and then you have the risk associated. I do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, it is not a given that they're going to make the playoffs in both these years. It's really not. If they made this trade uh, at a time when they were a pr- basically a lock to make the playoffs and they were if, using this acquisition... If they were the team they are playoffs, right now. And, yeah. And not the team they were last season. Exactly, yeah. If they were the team they are right now without JT Miller and they wanted to go out and add JT Miller, that would be sort of different. Um, the other, and then the other issue I have with this is, is mostly just, um, you know, I think the I, it's timing in the other sense, which is that I just think the Canucks are going to be better in two or three years or should be better in two or three years than they are this year. And they, they, they actually, I know one of our arguments was, um, that you know, you said, oh no, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year. I think they're going to make the playoffs the year after, um, and you kind of conceded that to me. I have changed my tone on this. I think this is the best they're going to be in the next three years because of how they've um, how they've set everything up and the way that they've caught lightning in a bottle here. And 
this is not the year you go all in for. Certainly not when I, you've, you've built and set the team up the way you have. Now, if they had torn everything down three years ago and started to build back up into a good team last year um, and, you know, had a lot of youth coming in and they, then they wanted to add JT Miller by trading a first-round pick and kind of uh, bolstering the offense or whatever, you know, alternate history, uh, then maybe they'd, they'd have a case. But I just think it's dangerously close to being in trading a first-round pick for Phil Kessel territory two first it was two first round picks in the Leafs case but uh where it it's the the payoff here is you get a really good line mate for uh Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson who's maybe going to put up uh 60 maybe even 70 points if things really go well over the next few years and that's the reward of it but then the risk is things go really poorly and that pick ends up being uh, a lottery pick, and then the lotto line has a completely different meaning. Um, <laughs> so I think when you look at just pure risk reward, um, it just it's uh, they did not come out on the right side of it, even if it works out. And especially when there were other things they could have done in in free agency. I really like JT Miller. I think he's probably better than any of the guys who were available in in free agency. But how much better is he than a Ryan Dezingle or a Marcus Johansson? He's better, but is it is it ten percent? Is it fifteen percent? Is that ten or fifteen percent worth giving up a first and a third round pick versus just money? Um, these are all things that I think you have to consider when you look at the trade, and it may work out. It may work out reasonably well, but um, I I don't like the odds of it, and. Um, and, you know, you can say that first-round picks often don't pan out, but how did the Canucks get all their best players, <laughs> basically? True. Um, it was through first-round ra- first picks. So if uh, the Canucks give up, all, if all the Canucks gave up to get J.T. Miller was Jake Vertanen, yeah, you t- you'd make that trade every day. Or Ali Levy, they... who is just a odd man rush machine at the AHL level right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but if you gave up the next Brock Besser, even you're going to feel bad about that uh, because you're getting a player who there's a chance that they gave up, not only a player who is as good or better than JT Miller, but a player that will, they'll also have team control of for, for seven years. So uh, yeah, I'm still not a fan of the trade, but credit to them. JT Miller has been very good, much better than I thought he would be. And um, at worst, this trade is going to be the, it's it's this is going to be a debate for a long time and if you asked me three or four months ago i would have said that i probably just expected it to be a huge clearly a huge failure right off the bat and i was wrong so that's where i stand on that already a better trade than uh, gillis giving up a first for keith ballard and yeah i mean hey quentin howden never even turned into anything for florida anyways so yeah that's true Unf- unfortunately due to uh the structure of interviews i have to concede the last word to you on this one uh but that was a lot more <laughs> of an amicable answer than i was expecting we never yelled at each other and that happened oh, a lot when we were in person over the summer so true well uh, i've had time i think we've both had time to cool down so yeah and i'm more confident that i'm right so i don't need to get emotional about it um <laughs> and i look forward to that 50 dollars uh coming soon uh, hopefully maybe even as soon as the end of this year we'll find out <laughs> I'm so tempted if I do if I do win the bet it's like what do I do with the $50 do I spend it like I should 
or do I frame it or do I light a cigar with it and take a picture? Like there's so many things that, but I think ultimately like I'm a materialist, so I'll probably just have to spend. No, I think, I think you should frame it with like a little uh, bronze engraving underneath the frame. That's just like proof. Justin Morissette is wrong. Yeah. (laughs) If I was really spiteful, that's what I would do. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Probably going to release this as two episodes given how long we went but uh awesome yeah a, great a, a pleasure as always and people can find your stuff at canucks army and people can listen to you at roxy fever where i would imagine you'll be talking more about don cherry very Absolutely. soon two-part episode i guess that now makes jackson a three-time guest on the program we thank him for his contributions to locked on canucks i hope you enjoyed today's chat I uh, hope you enjoyed yesterday's chat. I hope you enjoyed both chats together if you listened to them all in a row. Saved it for one special day to just get a full nearly 55 minutes of Justin and Jackson together at last. Uh, <laughs> I'll be back tomorrow to tee up uh, the next game that the Canucks are playing. It's 7 o'clock at Rogers Arena against the Nashville Predators. And uh, you know what? I I have no idea what's going to happen on this one. I, I thought the last three games in a row were all uh, guaranteed wins, and the Canucks came up with losses in all of them. Tomorrow should be a guaranteed loss, so the team will probably win. If we have to, if we have to pick a result, let's just go against exactly what I thought was going to happen uh, when I made those predictions about the rest of the month of November sometime late last week uh, on Thursday. Yeah, I'll be back tomorrow to tee that game up and break down, of course, what actually went down on Sunday afternoon, something that I have not been able to talk about with Jackson because we recorded this before the game was played, but a lot to break down based on uh, you know a busy week for the Canucks and a busy week online and a busy week on Coach's Corner as well. As I always say, uh, if it would do me a huge favor if you could rate and review the podcast wherever you happen to get it from. It gives us an old boost in the algorithms and helps people find us. And also, I just like reading the reviews. makes me feel good that there are people out there enjoying what I do. You can also get at me on Twitter, at LockedOnCanucks, and my personal Twitter account as well, at Justin Morris. That's M-O-R-I-S-1-R-1-S. Until tomorrow, when we get to do this all over again, I have been and will continue to be Justin Morris, and you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.